Prevence Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome again to the Prevence Podcast, the podcast where we invite our guests to talk about their work and lives before the backdrop of digitization and connectivity. Uh, I am in an extremely cheerful mood today because our guest is, first of all, an extremely cool person and also very high profile. Uh, her name is Alicia Andat, and she was, until shortly, head of legal innovation at Chevalier. She is acting chairwoman of the German Legal Tech Association and actually a lot of other things as well. Maybe I'll just start off like this. Hey, Alicia, what's going on? Hi, Daniel. How's it going? I'm doing great. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. We're super happy to have you here. Alicia, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with, uh, with a very abstract question. What is it exactly that you do? That is a very abstract question. <laughs> I mean, right now I'm talking to you um, in general. Um, I'm a lawyer, but I'm assuming that you would like to know a little bit more about my functions. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, as you already said, I am the um, acting chairwoman of the German Legal Tax Association, um, mm -hmm. but I am not making money doing that. So my actual job mm -hmm. is um, I'm co-founder and head of business development of This Is Legal Design. Mm -hmm. uh, cool. Um, I'm just going to hook into the, the German Legal Tech Association at first. Um, I have in my notes that it was a couple of weeks ago, but I think at, this, uh, at the point where we stand at the moment, it might already be like a month or two ago. Uh, the German Legal Tech Association launched their first recurring clubhouse talk Uh, can you give us some details or maybe the listeners that haven't had a chance to tune in what exactly goes on in those in those talks, what you guys talk about? Yeah, so we started this format. It's called Rechtsmarkt Neugedacht. So it mm -hmm. means rethinking the legal market. Um, and the core idea of the whole um, format was to give some visibility to the people who are part of the Legal Tech Association and to show people what our goals are, what we're trying to do, and also to just show our members in, in general. Um, and I think you're speaking of the very first format where we really introduced ourselves to the public mm -hmm. um, because, of course, you hear the German Legal Tech Association, you don't really know what's going on. Um, people right. are interested. Um, what are we doing? What are our goals? And so we really wanted to use that new platform, Clubhouse, um, to give some insights into that. Right. Um, I have a. The last time we interviewed somebody was it was Robbie Boucherie here from Cologne, and we also sparked the question: Do you think what do you think of uh, the clubhouse format? Because it's been notorious. I mean, first of all, it's been really, really successful, right? But at the same time, it's been getting a a lot of hate, rightfully so, if I may say so, as someone who does not use who does not use iOS. I'm more an Android person myself. Uh, well, well, is is the clubhouse format? Do you think it's something that is here to stay, or is it like a you know, a fashionable, a fashionable appearance like the, the internet back in the 90s or the automobile <laughs> back in the 1900s. I don't know. What's your, what's your take on that? So first of all, I'm completely with you on the Android side. Um, mm. <laughs> I'm also one of those very few, very last Android users. So at first I was giving it a lot of hate. Um, <laughs> what is Clubhouse thinking to exclude um, half Exactly. of the population. This is Correct, when I, <laughs> right? 
This is when I realized that we're not half of the population, Daniel. Same, same. Oh my God, right. I, re I remember because you guys did it really well because you also had like a Zoom room for like the non-IOS conformers. Uh -huh. And I'm like, I'm like, nice. That's exactly where I'm going to hang out. And I was thinking, of course, it's going to be 50-50. At the end of the day, it was just like me and four other people yeah. in that Zoom room. And I, the thing is, I couldn't see how many people were actually in the in the clubhouse talk. Like, yeah. how was the, was the, oh, yeah. It was, it was not, it was more than five. <laughs> it was around, I think, 60, 70 people. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. Um, oh I, my God. And to be honest, I have to say, I think this is the actual um, ratio between Android and iOS users. I wouldn't have thought mm -hmm. so myself because I never thought that everyone has an iPhone by now. But it seems like right. our bubble, at least, um, are heavy iPhone users. And so is mm. uh, the, probably most of the people who were targeted with Clubhouse. Um, so yeah. I guess um, they actually knew their target group really well yeah. and it wouldn't, wouldn't have yeah. made sense to uh, go into Android right away. But um, yeah, your question was, do I think that this is um, here to stay or is it more a fashionable mm -hmm. thing? Um, I mean, I think mm. by now, I think those questions that you wrote down, they're already like at least two or three weeks old. And I think by True. now yeah. we can we can already tell that Clubhouse has definitely lost its very first um, hype already. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. the very first, the two first weeks were extremely hyped. This is the two first weeks that I missed completely <laughs> because I had to borrow an <laughs> iPhone. <laughs> Same, same. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I'm still an Android user. I borrowed an iPhone just for Clubhouse because I realized this is Kudos. something where the bubble is meeting and I have to get right. into it. Um, right. And I thought it's also a nice way to um, to have discussions uh, in a sort of public format. And I think this is also what's going to stay, but not on a regular basis. So I don't believe in um, recurring uh, formats that are happening every week. I think we can already see mm -hmm. by now that people are just going on there for specific events. Um, and this is how we right. are also moving our own format. So we started on a weekly basis. Now we're moving mm -hmm. into a bi-weekly basis um, every two weeks. Uh, and then um, after that, we're going to use it as a, a platform for discussions that we advertise on our other channels. Because I don't think okay, that everyone okay. is just going to go on Clubhouse and be like, hey, I just want to know what's going on today. Uh, this is this is <laughs> right. not the wave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you still have the do you still have the option for Android users to listen yes. to your Clubhouse talks at them? Yes. You still do. See, kudos kudos to you for doing that. Okay. Of wonderful. course. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I think I think you know me as like a legal designer, one of our core mm. ideas is to work user-centered and also to be inclusive and I think from mm -hmm. my own user perspective I just had the experience that it's really shitty to be excluded from something <laughs> like that. Thank <laughs> you, thank you. Right, exactly my thoughts, one-to-one. -one. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so interesting take. And as, as I just said, it's completely what I think as well. Um, but yeah, I think the reality is that, well, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just our bubble. But the more the more I talk to people, the more I think there's no way around at least using, we use a Mac at work, for example, mm -hmm. you know, and it's getting more and more box in effect uh, or not. Uh, they are kind of taking over the market. But all in all, I think it's extremely important to still leave the option open for people who would just say like, hey, 
I don't want to buy an iPhone just to take part of that clubhouse talk. I mean, it's not like an essential item. It's not like yeah. I'm going to go out today and just buy myself a, an iPhone like I buy myself a household appliance or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, this is really yeah. just a brand thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm refusing. Um, <laughs> thank, exactly, right. Vehemently refusing. That should be the, yeah, that should, that's, that's what we're doing. No, so, um, right. Uh, circling back to the topic at hand, so to speak. So, uh, what is the uh, why do so many states, or basically, let's let's focus on Germany. Why does Germany in particular need an institution like the German Legal Tech Association? So we were thinking, um, who is right now representing lawyers and legal professionals in Germany? Um, mm. Let's let's look at it. Uh, it's basically two main institutions. It's the German um, Lawyers Association, um, the Deutsche Anwaltsverein, and then we have the um, German, what's that called? German Chamber of Lawyers, Bundesrechtsanwaltskammer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that would be yeah. really the right term for it. Yeah, yep. um, perfect term. Yeah. So those are like two institutions, um, which are first of all focusing on lawyers. So we're already excluding, just like we're excluding Android users from Clubhouse. <laughs> I feel excluding. like this is going to be a recurring theme in our yeah. talk. <laughs> so we're already excluding yeah. um, quite a large group of people who are also contributing to the legal market and especially to the d- digital transformation of the legal market um, just by the institution itself. Um, and second of all, Sadly, we have to say that those institutions have been really resistant against new technologies and against new developments um, on on the legal market in Germany. Um, They're sort of conservative and um, really skeptical about any legal tech movements. Um, Whereas we believe that the legal tech movement is a not going to go away. <laughs> this is just the the natural path of digital transformation that the legal industry is also part of. Um, and B, it's really um, it's really great. It's uh, it's something that helps a lot of people, that helps clients, that gets people access to justice, that helps also lawyers to transform their businesses into more sustainable um, and um, metaphorical businesses. And so mm-hmm. we just thought that this legal tech movement in general needs a representation. Um, and this is what we did. But also... What we thought is that we need to have a platform, a better network for people to come together to keep on working on this transformation process. And we don't think that this is just happening by having lawyers sit together. So one core idea is to bring different disciplines together, having an interprofessional um, work on the digital transformation. And this is why we thought... If we just have institutions that only represent lawyers and that only bring together lawyers or institutions that only bring together startups or only bring together insurances, this is just not going far enough. So we need to have an institution that's bringing together all stakeholders that are part of this digital transformation process. So to have legal insurances, law firms, startups, software companies, having all of these come together and work on this broader vision of a digital market right um and 
as I would think, it's I think also something that I picked up in your very first um, in your very first event. Um, you already have like quite a plethora of of members, actually, right? And a person, you know, I might naturally assume that uh, most of them come from the area of legal tech, but is that the case actually? So I think all of them are sort of part of the um, legal tech sector, if you want to say so. Um, but it's definitely not just legal tech startups. We have those traditional, I would say, classic legal tech startups that everyone knows, like Flightride and Right Now. Those right, are just, right. yeah. yeah, consumer claim um, companies. Um, of course, we have those. This is sort of also where the whole um, development started. But we have so many other players, just like I mentioned now. We have legal insurances. We have software companies that are developing legal technology for law firms or for legal departments. Of course, we have law firms on board to want to um, innovate their business models, who want to become more digital. Um, we have content houses. We have Soldan on board um, because, oh, wow. yeah, you know, there are so many fields within the legal field that are all affected by the digital transformation um, of the legal sector. And they all have different issues, but I think we share a broader vision. And this is why it's so nice to have really different players um, and not just lawyers or just startups. Right. Absolutely. Um, and let's say now, now that you have like these, this myriad of members, everyone with a, from, a different, from a different sector, so to speak, but with all this common goal and this common vision, um, what goals does... Uh, the German Legal Te Tech Association have for all these people? Like, in, for, example, for example, in regards to thought leadership, what are your goals? Mm -hmm. So one big thing that we would really like to change is to become a better idea of what the legal needs on the market really are. Right. So, awesome. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. really, when we look at it, no one really knows what's going on. No one has any specific data um, on yeah. what is really needed. We speak of access to justice. We have some mm -hmm. assumptions. We have some ideas of what's going on, of why um, legal tech startups are more successful in some fields than law firms because we have this cost-benefit ratio that is sort of out of hand. We have some ideas about that. We have no data, almost nothing. Right. We don't know what companies are looking for. We have no unmet legal needs studies. This is something that we would really like to bring some light onto to understand the issues on the, the legal market and what is really needed. And then as, as the next step, we want to um, develop solutions. And to develop solutions, we need to have more freedoms because right now we have a really restricted Uh, restrictive law um, that is not helping in many ways to come up with new models. Um, we also need to work on on our general mindset, and we would like to bring some bring some light onto that as well to help lawyers, legal professionals, to help the industry understand also what chances um, digitalization technologies um, can bring to us. So we also see this as a really important task of us to um, 
to help broaden the mindset of legal professionals. Cool. Super exciting. Um, I mean, you. this next question is actually, uh, the, things, the next question I wrote down is, which events are you guys planning for implementing them? And I think you guys are already implementing them a lot uh, along, through, along through the Clubhouse talk. But do you guys have, uh, do you guys have other things... Um, Other things planned? Do you have something down the roadmap that you'd like to share? So we do have a lot of um, events planned. Most of them are internal. So one, the Clubhouse event is one of those that we uh, that is a public event. Um, so we wanted to have both. We want to have some events that are just for our members. Of course, um, there needs to uh -huh, be a reason sure. to become a member of the German Legal yeah. Tech Association. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is one thing that we do. We um, we have, um, it's called uh, Legal Tech Brown Bag Lunches. Um, so mm, that's, nice. that's, yeah. Yeah, that's like a lunch format um, where one of the members is always sharing a best practice in a certain field. And, um, and everyone can ask questions, of course, and just come together. Um, we've also just quite recently had an event where we had a panel discussion comparing leadership styles. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We had uh, yeah. a little... Um, Uh, a little debate between a law firm leadership style and a startup leadership style. Oh, I can imagine the debate <laughs> on that. Oh my God. I can imagine that there was a lot of, uh, yeah. how was it? Was it, was it good at the end? Uh, what, do you think it uh, was like valuable input or was it more like the startups and the uh, law firms going at each other? Like, no, our leadership style is the correct one. For Actually, our, I for think it was a little different than you would have thought because we also saw mm -hmm. a lot of um, things that they had in common And um, I actually personally had some interesting intakes on leadership in law firms that I, I hadn't thought about before, um, mm -hmm. sort of making me understand a little better why they do what they do and how they do it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I can share one of those insights with you, maybe. Um, gladly, gladly. That's uh, something that my uh, my co-chair, uh, Philip Plog, actually entered because he is managing partner of a big law firm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So okay. maybe okay. he also personally felt attacked with some of the statements. <laughs> <laughs> But um, he actually said something that I really liked. So in law firms, um, what's very really special is that you have you can have leadership uh, on eye level because partners are owners of the firm. Whereas in other companies, that's usually not the case. And this whole argument of being on eye level with partners, I really hadn't looked at it that way before. However, I also said that the critiques about leadership in law firms is usually not about um, the partnership level uh, with That's each what other. <laughs> right, exactly. What does the associate say? Like, yeah, oh, the exactly. partners get along well under each other. Okay, nice. Good for them. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And there also yeah. I had a yeah. nice um, reveal, let's say, um, understanding why they are so um, uh, specific and strict about punctuation. I mean, I also, I like, I like grammar and punctuation. I don't like any yeah. mistakes on that. But um, if someone makes mistakes, I would not freak out about it. Uh, whereas I know law firms where uh, someone is really tearing you apart when you're missing a comma. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> and not just law firms. <laughs> not just law firms. Generally. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, the thing is like... Um, 
that's also something that that was uh, revealed to me on that panel was well this is for the clients you know because clients don't understand anything that the lawyer is writing in uh in their documents but they can read and they can see whether there is a missing comma or not so this is really like the only thing that they can control and therefore it needs to be perfect it made right. me understand a little better you know what would help is to um, share those reasonings with the people working in the firms. So I think mm-hmm. um, it's not even necessary that law firms um, move away from their standards. I think it's more about communication and how to transport the messages, um, what is important and what is not. Absolutely. So sorry, I was Absolutely. like really <laughs> talking too much no. about this leadership style thing that that really moved me. You can see. <laughs> it is actually it is actually really cool that you mentioned this leadership style because that is actually for the next person that I've planned for for the podcast. He is actually an expert on leadership styles, and I'm going to ask him oh. exactly these questions. I'm going to throw these questions out. Okay, so what do you think of this? Because he's more of he's more lenient towards the the startup, uh, you know, the the, yeah. the startup perspective of it. Yeah, but no, super interesting input, super interesting. Um. I'm going to take a step back, actually. Uh, you might... Wait, let me just check. Um, the thing is, I don't know if you've uh, listened to Anna's podcast, but the thing is, I always allow myself three cliche questions per podcast. Yeah. Here's number one. So of all of the things in the world, on this planet, that you could have done, Alicia, you chose to get into law. Why is that? <laughs> I kind of really see on your face. It's like, did you just really ask? Okay, wait, let me, well, the thing <laughs> let me is, step back again. Yeah, I mean, of course I could give you the cliche answer to it and be like, because I hate injustice or something, you know? Right, um, right, right. I could do that, but I do have a story. It's, <laughs> okay. it is, it is a story. It's, um, I don't know whether it's, it's really, um, great for for law students to hear about it and then be inspired by me. I don't think it's very inspiring. Um, It's it's really pragmatic. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. first of all, in school, I for no reason learned Latin instead of any... (laughs) For for real? Who's that? That still exists. Oh, okay. So you're you're good in Latin? No, I'm not like good a, at. What, what's it I'm called? not good at Latin. No one is good at Latin. No one Nobody who studies Latin, Latin knows Latin. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, no one. There are people yeah. who learn French, and they are probably also uh-huh. not necessarily good at it anymore. But <sighs> no one who learned Latin knows Latin. And um, so this is what I did for, I don't know, six years, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And um, always with that idea, everyone tells you, well, when you learn Latin, you can, you know, become a medical or legal professional and you need this for your studies. And no one needs this for any studies (laughs) except you want to become a Latin teacher. (laughs) This is literally the only reason you would need it. Um, So this is what I learned and I I sort of wanted to make use of that. Um, Then I had, um, the second reason is I I took a test um, because I was thinking about law and um, I took a test and the test said that I was, I was very well um, qualified for this. Um, okay, okay. So that was yeah. impressive because I had, yeah, yeah. didn't take any other tests. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, well I'm, I'm overqualified. Might as well go ahead and do it. <laughs> Might as well do it. And yeah. the third reason, um, 
is that I had two options in mind. One was law because I had no idea what's going on with it, but it seemed really um, aristocratic for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second one was uh, basically the opposite of it, um, becoming an elementary school teacher. So okay. those were my okay. two options. And then um, okay. at the Freie Universität Berlin, they have like open university days where you can go and... Uh, have get some insights on on the studies right. and I went there and right. I went to two of those events so for elementary school teachers and for law and um, right. those were really different events I can tell you that um, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. so the, the first one was the elementary school teacher event um, I was sitting there with just women girls basically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we were all like 19 mm-hmm. year olds or 18 year olds sure. um sure. so this was not really appealing to me to work in mm-hmm. such a um sort of one-sided environment right. and then <laughs> and then this um teacher was giving us an insight and uh and she said well um for example when you're speaking to uh, a student a child um and you ask the child what day comes after Monday, and then the child says Sunday. You need to understand that the child knows the days of the week, but just has a problem with the prepositions after and before. And I was thinking, the child is dumb. Right. I'm out. I, was like, I don't have any patience <laughs> okay, okay. for this. Right, and then I right, left right. and then I went to the Audi Max, which is the biggest lecture hall um, mm, where the yeah. uh, lecturer was giving a presentation on law studies. And mm-hmm. it was packed and it was a good atmosphere. Okay. And he wasn't talking about law at all. Uh, this is how he tricked me into this. He wasn't speaking of law studies. He was only telling us about how we would have an Erasmus year in Norway and looking on the fjords and not studying. <laughs> and this Sneaky. is what he talked about. Okay. And okay, funny okay. thing, never yeah. went to Norway, never had Erasmus, <laughs> but I stuck with law. Right, right. right. No, it sounds... Sounds good. I mean, and uh, I mean, it worked out. The reason, see, the reason why I always ask this is because uh, I know for a fact that a couple of students listen to this podcast is because uh, my uncle in Indonesia he teaches law, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he's like, "Yo, guys, listen to this podcast to his students." So first of all, Om Yudi, hi, Apakabar, Terima kasih banyak untuk semua, and also hey to all the students at the Surya Kencana Universitas. But uh, that's exactly the thing, you know. I remember when I when I when I was back in law school, and you would just be hustling every day yeah. be like you know eight hours nine hours at the university you wouldn't have time for a day job or for a side job like yeah, because literally because you had to study and then of course you would be broke and then you'd be there friday night you have put like 50 hours and then you're just eating your your rice with i don't know with, with ketchup you're like why the hell am i doing this again <laughs> and so it's always it's always nice to hear especially i think for the students uh, from especially from a high achiever that that you know at the end of the day you're gonna end up with uh, with a super interesting job, so yeah, that's the reason why I, why I ask this to people like you to yeah. to, to Benedict. Well, I don't um, think the yeah. reason that I started it was really inspiring, but definitely yeah. um, it. But it was worth it. It, it was worth it. I would say so. Yes. Yeah, yeah. At least now, if you would you you won't have an associate asking you, "Hey, Alicia, so what day comes after Sunday anyway?" <laughs> you know, you would you you have like you have a, a whole lot of different discussions, and also you know the job is. <laughs> The job is way more interesting. So I guess it, at the end, it's worth it, even if you have to put in 50 hours a week as a student. Um, 
I really, yeah, really so, hope that uh, I, that my that my future children are not ever going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Does she think I'm dumb? <laughs> I would actually think it kind of disturbing if your future children, I don't know at what age, would be listening to a to a legal podcast. I don't know. I, I, I don't see me. I, 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 um, right. So, oh yeah. Alicia, this would bring me to my next point. Before you and uh, Lena decided to become fully independent with uh, This Is Legal Design, so you were head of legal innovation at Chevalier in Berlin. Like, can you tell us a little bit, uh, a little bit about Chevalier? Yeah, so Chevalier okay. is um, a digital law firm for employees. So it's a okay. labor law law firm. And um, it originally all started with Flightrite. So actually Chevalier sort of is a branch of Flightrite. Yeah. Really? Some people don't know that. Okay. Um, of I course, that. yeah. Of course, the, not the law firm itself, because law firms cannot be um, daughter companies um, to, uh, to other companies. That's one of the restrictions that we have in German law. Okay. Um, okay. But it was, um, we have two... Uh, two companies. So we have Chevalier, um, the law firm, and we have Chevalier um, that is uh, like the service and technology company that's supporting the law firm. But they really act okay. as one. So from the outside, you would only see Chevalier as one company. Um, but this is the whole um, the whole story, how it started. So uh, they wanted to do something as similar, as easy to use for people like Flightright, but um, in the field of labor law, especially for people who have lost their jobs. Um, because really in Germany, um, employees have really strong um, rights. Um, we have we have good laws protecting employees, but many people don't know about it. And so this mm. is why um, most people are not going against their employers um, when they're being fired from their jobs usually, although they're protected. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is what Chevalier is uh, is doing. So um, it's it's a really service oriented law firm. You don't have to meet your lawyer in in the classic law office, but you can actually uh -huh. um, talk to them on the phone. And you have uh -huh. a really nice um, team that is supporting the clients. And it's it's really service oriented. It's a great law firm. I really have okay. to say. Cool. And uh, the role that you had there was head of legal innovation. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was head of legal innovation. That's correct. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I've I've never heard like in the structure of a, of a of a law firm that somebody is the head of legal innovation. What exactly does that role entail? What exactly was yeah your normal day to day mm -hmm. um, at Chevalier? Yeah. So my job was really a, about business development for the firm. Um, and I think for a law firm, it makes sense that someone who is also from the field of the legal profession is taking care of this business development. Um, so what I was doing is um, mostly getting in new cases um, for the law firm. And I did that by um, developing partnerships. So I was really... Um, communicating a lot with our partners. I pitched to partners our concept and made deals. And then um, I was in touch with them, making sure that everything was running um, perfectly also with our teams. So I was really at the intersection of the law firm and the partners and right. also developing new products. So what is it that we can also offer to you as partners um, and then prospectively also to, um, to clients 
um, that come to us on on other channels. So um, those were like my two um, most important functions for Chevalier. Okay. And uh, if we just go about your normal day-to-day, I mean, I also ask this question a lot and I always get the most different answers. It's like you walk through the door on a Monday morning and what happens? So for the past year, I've been sitting at the same spot that I'm sitting right now in the home office. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fear answer, fear answer. Okay. Um, you walk through the kitchen door into your living room and then what happens? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, of course I start with the coffee. Um, yeah. But then uh, what I always did is um, checking all my channels. I have a lot of communication channels. Um, so mm. I was getting... Uh, requests from our partners. Um, I was checking our case numbers. So I have like a dashboard where I'm checking all the numbers. And then I um, I have requests from our team um, because our operations team always has um, has to handle all the cases and there are many questions arising from it. What is our agreement with the partners? Um, can I take this case uh, what do I do with this now? I was also handling complaints if anything happened like that. Of course, we never had any. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of course not. We hardly have any complaints, but if there were <laughs> any, um, and I was handling that. So sort of making sure that everything's running smoothly um, with our uh, mm-hmm. with our partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, honestly, every day was different. So I had some cool. structure in it. Um, this is basically the structure I had communicating a lot with many different peoples because I was working at the intersection um, of of different firms. But in general, you never knew what's happening. Um, so the next day could be a pitch at a new partner's office, or it could right, come. Right. It could be a workshop to come up with a new concept. So and it could be a presentation um, at a conference. So I had really many different tasks there. Cool. Um, how do you go about these tasks? This is a cliche, Alicia, this is a cliche question number two, by the way. Good to know. Are you more of... <laughs> I'm just always going to announce them. <laughs> yeah. um, do you, if you go about your tasks and you say that, if you say that every day is different, do you prefer more structure in, in, your, normal, in your normal day-to-day or more spontaneity? Or a mix of both, dependent on the situation? What would you say? I think it's good to have a structured approach to things. So Mm. whenever I start something new, when I start a project, um, I always start with a structure. I need this. And I need my general work life to be structured. I need my Trello Mm. boards. I need my project management tools that I'm using. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. But other than that, I think I am running best when there is a lot at the same time. It's weird because um, always you always wish for, I would just have, I, could I just have a focus block? I just need some time for myself where I just work and I just do my stuff. But for some reason, when you have half an hour between two appointments, this is where I get done the most. <laughs> oh, same, same. Oh my God. <laughs> Completely. Yeah, I have the same as well. I mean, I'm not really, I'm not really focused on on law right now. The only thing that I do for for you know, 
in uh, in a sense uh, in uh, in a legal sense is basically do this podcast and sometimes some research on competition law for for prevents mm -hmm. and i work in marketing mostly which is like mostly creative like you know open office bouncing ideas back and forth mm -hmm. but the thing is and and i see especially like in marketing and startups that you're always like no 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 we don't want cubicles we hate cubicles cubicles are the devil i'm telling you one thing if you have to write a blog article or if you have to write on a really important email or just some really you know some some really really good communication the best thing i can do is sit down in a cubicle with noise canceling earphones mm -hmm. and just write and just crunch for three hours with nobody talking to me so yeah so yeah exactly the same 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 here i i, I would say structure is important spontaneity always important kind of a mix of both i don't know yeah i, I guess side. so i guess so but it's really interesting your your drive can be so much better when when you're really yeah. stressed Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things only a lawyer would say. <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah, no, no, I, no, I get it. Yeah, absolutely, I get it. Um, I'm going to round it up. I'm going to circle back uh, to to legal tech for uh, for the final questions. What are the main challenges and bottlenecks that legal tech faces uh, from your point of view nowadays? So I think one of the um, challenges is that we're still missing the right mindset for it um, among the legal field, at least, um, to really see the benefit of it. And um, there's really one question that I cannot hear anymore. That's like something like legal tech, hot or not? Is this something oh, we wow. need? Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, oh, like wow. that yeah, the legal okay. field yeah, thinks yeah. that that we have a choice whether or not we need it. Um, this is not mm -hmm. the case. So... I think, in fact, the digital transformation is happening and there's no way to circle it back or anything. And um, sure. we really need to open up um, to, to the possibilities there are and to also adapt our way of working that sometimes doesn't fit with technologies. Um, mm -hmm. So this is, this is one of the big challenges. And what I also see is um, what I was speaking of earlier, the legal restrictions that we still have. Um, mm. So one of them would be that if I as a law firm want to invest into legal technology, I need to, of course, uh, usually lend some money. Um, right. You know, right. um, yeah. it's yeah. it's a lot that you have to invest in, in new technologies and um, law firms are not allowed to have uh, investors. And this is one of the right. issues, I think. Um, and also okay. other restrictions that we have. Um, for example, working more interprofessional is also not allowed for, um, for law firms as it should be. And I think this is just giving us some um, hurdles that we need to overcome in order to make legal technology part of our everyday life right yeah i have a quick question in between not a cliche question but simply just out of curiosity why you have you speak really impeccable english where did you where did you learn i mean are the schools in so Berlin do you better? <laughs> a, i know I, but i lived in i mean i grew up in africa that's why but the thing is like normally if i interview people from germany they like i mean they speak good english germans speak really good english in general but i mean yours is like really impeccable how is that, is that i know you didn't learn it in norway 
That's true. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but I also well, never lived yeah. in the States. I lived in uh, ah, in okay. in London for uh, six months. But I think, first of all, I learned it ah, in school, okay. um, just like everyone yeah. else did. Um, wow, I okay. do have um, American heritage. So my grandfather okay. is um, Afro-American. Um, but we okay. never lived mm-hmm. together. So this is not how I learned it. I think That's it's really just yeah. a big interest in... Um, in the English language at all um, that makes you become better at it. Also, I dated an American for two years. I think that also helped. (laughs) Uh, English speaking relationship. Um, Absolutely. Helped me a lot as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And also studied. I studied in uh, in Amsterdam for a year and that was also in English. Ah, Cool. Okay, cool. But thank you very much. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, no, I just noticed. The last time we had, uh, who was it, Robbie? Yeah, it was Robbie Boucherie. And uh, I thought he was just like a, a guy from Cologne and his English was, all, he, it was better than mine. And I'm like, wait, this never happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah, so yeah, I was just wondering. Um, let's get back to the point. Wait, let me see. Where were we? Um, right. Alicia, at the end of the day, right, we can talk about legal tech and all its benefits, but for whom is legal tech actually, for whom does it pose the biggest benefit? I think for clients and customers. Yeah, um, that's exactly. Yeah, I yeah. really think that's the case. Maybe this is also one of the reasons that it's so hard to bring it onto the legal market because, to be honest, exactly. this market is not a customer-centric market. Oh, thank you for saying it so placatively. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Should be though. Okay. It should be. It should be as as any market actually is, you know. But yeah, okay. Well, but we're already think- struggling with defining it as a market. When you listen to some people, <laughs> they are not even calling it a market. <laughs> yeah. You know, if if you just yeah. refuse to call it a market, then of course you can also refuse the fact that you have customers and then you also mm. don't have to be customer centric. And then you also don't yeah. need to introduce legal technology that would actually make things so much easier for your customers. But um, mm-hmm. this is why, why I'm thinking of and speaking of the mindset issue that we're still struggling with yeah. here. Yeah, um, absolutely. Here's the thing. Um, I... I know for a fact that you and uh, Lina Kravitz, you are, uh, you have already, I mean, it's already been a while. You've started your own company mm-hmm. a long time ago. Uh, no, you, you actually, no, wait, wait, let me rephrase. You already started, this is legal design a while back, but now you went into it full time. That's true. I mean, how, how is that? Uh, I think this is actually a story for itself. I think maybe we could do an own podcast on that, but just, can you give us like a brief overview of how the first months of, you know, being your own, be standing on your own two feet with a company that you love. How how has that been for you? So first of all, I'm very happy to come back with Lena for a second episode. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, second of all, Lena has been doing this for over a year in full time already. And oh, wow. I have okay. literally joined this week. What? <laughs> What? <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. This, w- ah, this okay. week. Okay. I thought I've been long. Okay. Well. Okay. So how's this first week? No been for one you? knows yet. I mean, of course, I've been. Uh, 
I'm, no, I'm serious. I'm going to announce it okay. next week. So when this podcast comes ah. out, it's already going to be announced. Nice. Um, you heard it here first, guys. Yes, you're the first one to know. Um, <laughs> cool. This is yeah. also why I left Chevalier, because I am now um, working full time for my own company. Um, of course, over the, the past uh, year, I've already been part of this legal design. I've also worked on projects mm -hmm. already, but now I'm mm -hmm. really giving it all my energy and all my focus cool. and I am so excited it's so much fun so the first week okay. has already been amazing um it's nice. uh, it's so interesting we have a variety of different clients so it's sort of like the German Legal Tech Association where we really see the diversity of the market this is also the case for our clients so we thought that we would okay. only talk to law firms and legal departments and and of mm -hmm. course there's still our focus um, customer group but there are so many other um, um, players out there that have legal um, touch points and that need services mm -hmm. and so what we mm -hmm. do mostly is um, product and service design um, okay. for um, of course also for law firms for legal departments for alternative legal service um, providers and um This is something that we that we do, and we also are planning to um, to start an academy. Um, so we nice. want to teach okay. the skills that are needed because we feel like it's so important to have impact by bringing this mindset and the skills to the legal professionals. Um, instead of just telling them what to do, we need to teach it. So this is going to be the next big thing that we're going to put our focus on. Amazing. Sounds super exciting. And yes, if you guys want to come back for a second podcast specifically on This Is Legal Design, we'd love to have you for sure. And we'd um, love to come back. Awesome. Nice. Let's uh let's circle let's circle back. No, wait, let's let's do the, the closing argument, so to speak. And this is my cliche question number three with announcement. <laughs> <laughs> Alicia, last question. How do you measure success? How do we measure success? Um, so for me, success means that I accomplish the things that I am striving for. This is what success is nice. to me. So mm -hmm. I am not necessarily measuring success in how much money I'm making. Um, mm -hmm. If I am striving for visibility and mm -hmm. I put my work into it, so I, I publish articles, I publish content, um, I, I talk to people and then a guy like you comes around and is asking me to be a guest at a podcast. Honestly, that's a success for me because that shows me that I have been visible to guys like you. Um, Absolutely. so that's one thing, but of yeah. course I, I'm a business owner. Of course I want to make mm -hmm. money, um, and, uh, <laughs> making bank. I want to make dollars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Get in papers. Same here. Same here. <laughs> so, of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, when this is what mm -hmm. I am putting my energy into, when I'm talking to mm -hmm. to possible uh, potential clients, when I go out there and I market my products, um, of course, mm -hmm. I'm measuring success also in how many clients did I get, how much money did I make. It just really depends right. on what is it that I put my focus and energy on. Um, and right. do I accomplish yeah. that, then I am successful. Yeah. 
Same. Cool. I think, yeah, I think if I would put it together in my own words, for me is also success would be making money, but having fun while making money. <laughs> I heard about you guys from, from Anna, actually, because, you know, the thing is, this is how I generate my leads. Is basically, I ask people in my podcast, hey, do you, do you know any other cool people that I could interview? And then Anna was like, yeah, you know, I know Alicia, I know Lena, I know Benedict. And I was like, and then I was looking you guys up and I was like, man, these guys really know their shit. But then I like, I, I, I like wrote you and you're also these really easygoing personalities. And then you're like, yeah, Don, yeah, for sure. Let's do a podcast. And I was like, you know what? That is success for me. It's like, yeah, I have high profile guests who are also cool. I see that as an absolute win. You know what I mean? Aww. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting cheesy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We should cut it. We should cut it. This is, this is a legal podcast after all. We don't have room for emotion here. No. Um, no, uh, Alicia, thank you so much for joining us today. This, uh, this was extremely fun. Um, do, you have any, do you have any last words to uh, <laughs> any law students or anything, any, 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 closing, uh, any closing statement? Yes. <laughs> okay. So what I always like to say is, especially to people who are right now struggling in their law mm -hmm. studies, because I know there's so many um, who really don't feel right, um, who think mm -hmm. that... Uh, They're not belonging there. And mm -hmm. to those people, keep going because um, even though, even when you're not going to stay in the traditional legal field, it doesn't matter because the jobs that you're going to, to make um, in the future mm -hmm. maybe are not even invented yet. And just keep doing what you like doing, figure out what it is mm -hmm. and then become good at it. And then the jobs awesome. will follow. And that's it. I think we should just open with that statement. <laughs> We're going to get them clicks, though. <laughs> Alicia, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. It was super fun. Um, and for uh, all you people listening, go to This Is Legal Design. Uh, they're based in Berlin. Or just hit up uh, hit up Alicia or Lina on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, thank you so much. This is it. We're out. Prevents Podcast.